Good morning. A uh, huge thank you to all those of you who prayed for snow. Three days worth. That was impressive. Um, to all those of, you, those of you who prayed it would go away, could you stop? Uh, next week, we have our uh, huge celebration of our capital campaign. We wanted to go sledding, and I don't think we're going to do that, but we're still going to celebrate, so don't miss next week. Super excited about that time. Uh, what a great morning, huh? We got to worship together. We got to take communion together and celebrate Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He doesn't change. He is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he's going to do. His promises are true. And not just that, but he comes and he redeems, and he is redeeming, and he's taking what was, and he's making it into something God intended it to be, and that's his kids, who are made in his image after his likeness, and so our identity is not wrapped up in what people think. Thank God. It's wrapped up in what God knows us to be. And that's the whole point of this series is that we need change and we need to be changed from the inside out because the way the world is going is the direct result of outside in change. It doesn't work. And so many of us sit here saying we need change. We need to be changed. There are things about my life I want to change. And we've realized that willpower and emotional change doesn't hit the greatest need of our heart, which is that we swap the desires that we have, our fleshly desires for the desires that God has for us. And that's what he's after, and that's what we're, we're in, is this series making change. Real change involves more of Jesus and less of me. We love those talks, right? Die to self, don't be selfish, be selfless, let more of Jesus in. Because the more we open our hearts to Jesus, and the more we make room in our lives for Jesus, the more the change is his change in us, not our change in us. It's not change based on willpower, emotion, it's heart change. It's inside-out change in a culture focused on outside-in change. Less is more was our first week, and uh, we had a blast talking about the fact that we need to make room in our life. We need some margins, if you will, in so many areas of our life. Our time, the giftings that God has given us, uh, the treasure and the resources that he's given us, we are running to the edge of the margin, if not over. I could give you some statistics that would blow you away. So we said, as followers of Jesus, we need to make room, and the more room we make, the more Jesus we can have, and the real change will begin to happen. See, real heart change happens only by God. God does the change. You and I can't do it, but we can remove some things, and we can make some moves that will help that change take place. Less is more is one of them, so we say what matters most, and what matters most are the things that we should go after, not the things that don't matter as much, and then last week, stress is bad, and nobody disagreed, Right? And uh, powerful to get together and realize that Jesus says, Paul said in, in, uh, in, in his letter, that we don't have to be anxious because the Lord is near, and so bring everything to God in prayer and supplication. And so the Lord is near means we don't have to be anxious, which means we can go to God, and he gives us a peace that passes all understanding. Let me add this from last week that I didn't say. Sometimes you're sitting there battling for a peace you're not getting. Probably could be that you need to make a different choice. Because he's not going to bring peace in an area that isn't him in the first place. That isn't what he wants you to have and, and be part of your life. So we invited people to come and pray on Thursday night. And we had over 100 people show up in this place. Yeah. 
And I got to tell you, just throwing it out there to say, you know, we're going to come together and we're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to pray. We're going to present our request to God. And so everybody that was here filled out on this paper all the things that stressed them out and the anxieties and the fears and the worries. And literally, as the time went in the night, we walked all the way over here to this cross and people came at different times in different moments in tears, kneeling. People who've never been in atmospheres like this and we placed those things at the foot of cross and nobody took them with them when they left at least not symbolically. But we've been given this opportunity to come to God in prayer so that he can give us a peace that passes all understanding, which means a peace only he can give. It's good stuff. And that continues to create space so God can do. And so this morning we're uh, on this journey toward heart change. Less is more, stress is bad today, giving is good. I know, I know, I know. Let me just say this. I think we have so much angst with this topic because it's the one topic that's so telling about our hearts. Just soak that in for a little bit. There's so much angst when we talk about giving and measuring our own lives, and only you know, or, or maybe others who are close to you. But I think the reason that is because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. But there's so much here that we just know that we know that we know that we could be better givers. And so though giving is good, I would challenge us that generosity is better. And so this morning I'm going to invite you to stand as we go to God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6, if you'll stand with me. And we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God, so it doesn't matter whether Paul wrote it, Jesus said it. The, the prophets put it in. Moses did his. It doesn't matter. It is the inspired word of God. It is all his. And so we hear it this morning and we are moved by it and we are changed by it because it's God's word. So starting in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, it's in the New Testament, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies their, your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. God, we just thank you for your word. It is the word that goes forth, and it does not come back void. And so we open our hearts to receive what you would say to us today. And we measure our hearts not against any one person, but against your word and against your son. And may we have the heart of God in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
So giving is good. Again, uh, not something we're going to typically argue with, but more often than not, something we don't do near enough. Now, let's just go ahead and participate. How many would say, I definitely don't give enough? I could give more. Okay. Now, right now, you're thinking of this in, in maybe a financial way. You're saying, I could definitely give more. I'm talking across the board. Your time, your talents, the giftings God has given you, your words, your actions, your treasure, all of it, we could probably give more. So we would say giving is good, but we could definitely give more. And we, we, we would say giving is good, but generosity is better. So we need to create more space for Jesus, and we do that. By actually going to God in prayer, that that actually eliminates some of those stresses that we talked about that. And so back three years ago, when we started our capital campaign, we said this could happen, that if you would create space and room for Jesus, that he would do a work in your heart. And so delight would lead to contentment, that you could actually be content in everything because you have God and you're comfortable and satisfied in God. And that contentment would actually lead to simplicity, that you don't need as much when you're content. That the whole more of culture doesn't implicate you or impact you. And simplicity leads to generosity. So the importance of clearing the way so Jesus can get to the very depths of our hearts would be so that we could learn to delight and be content and be simple so we can be generous. And that's the journey of generosity. If you had to paint the picture, that's how you could paint it. The greatest commandment, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment of the law was. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And we shared this truth a while back that I want to remind you of, that you can give and not love. That we can be so detached from our giving that we can do it in a way that isn't out of love, but it's out of satisfying guilt, a compulsion, somebody asked, thought we should. And so you can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. You just can't because that's the nature of love, to give. For God so loved the world that he, good, you're with me. So giving, or let's say generosity, flows from a heart that is right with God. Generosity flows from a heart that is right with God. And that giving equals our time, our talent, our treasure. So I don't want you to box yourself in on just the financial side, though I think that's a huge part of it. Winston Churchill once said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. It's a good word. Charles Swindoll said, don't be afraid to give generously. It will still be impossible to outgive God. So why don't you try? Like, what a challenge, huh? We love, how many love challenges? Like, you're the challenge stop. I love a good challenge. I'm on this 40-day, no-sugar, 40-day challenge. Hate it. <laughs> if you know me, I am candy all over my office. I am sugar in my coffee or coffee with my cream and sugar. Sweet tea, the best sweet tea, like peak, gold, yeah, peak tea, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, I miss it. You just can't outgive God. So, so try. Take that challenge. What would happen if the church took that challenge to outgive God or try? It just would be awesome. Giving isn't limited, though, to just Christians. 
people who follow Jesus. The world we live in has experienced and experiences the power of this biblical truth that giving is good. God is a giving God, and how you process this truth actually has great impact on how and why you give. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but let's look at the whole giving of our world and our culture. Here's some studies on giving that I thought would be interesting to, to note. A study this year funded by the Woman's Philanthropy Institute found that giving is positively related to life satisfaction, and the more people give as a percentage of their household income, the more satisfaction they feel. Study show. A study conducted by researchers from Harvard and the University of British Columbia found that spending money on others leads to lasting improvement in people's overall happiness. That joy is connected to giving. At least that's what we would call it. Many of us believe that spending money on ourselves will make us happier than spending money on others. We don't say that. But if you look at the balance of our budget, I would say that we, we spend a large portion on ourselves. And so though we may not say it, we act, by our actions, it implicates us. Yet the opposite is true. In one study, participants were asked to spend $5 on themselves or $5 on someone else. They got to choose. And guess which group was measurably happier? Those who spent the $5 on someone else. Probably because you can't get much five bucks. <laughs> My own little ad. <laughs> According to sociologists Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson of the Science of Generosity Initiative at the University of Notre Dame, Americans who volunteer an average of 5.8 hours per month describe themselves as very happy, while those who volunteer 0.6 hours say they are unhappy. In their book, The Paradox of Generosity, they also say that Americans who donate more than 10% of their incomes have lower depression rates than those who don't. Just some studies. Matter of fact, this article gives the reader eight simple ways to be more giving. I thought this was funny. It's not a Christian article. This is a, a study that, that is done in, in psychology and sociology. And here's what they said. The eight things are this. Spending money on others is a way to be more giving. It's actually a, a biblical concept. A biblical truth. Spending time with others. It's actually a biblical truth. Volunteering, untraditionally. That's just being giving of yourself in, in as many ways as you could possibly think. That's it's a real biblical concept. <laughs> Be emotionally available. Care. <laughs> it's a real biblical concept. You're going to finish this before I finish it one of these times. Performs acts of kindness. It's a real, yeah, good, you're getting it. Compliment someone. It's a real biblical concept, isn't it? Encourage one another all the more as you see the day. I mean, the, the, the whole, yeah. Number seven, make someone laugh. It's a biblical concept. Lastly, ready for this one? This will just tell your story. Thank you. That's a real biblical concept. I mean, they, they, that's actually a way that you can give to somebody is to tell your story. And not just your story, but the story of Jesus that your story is wrapped up in, where the promises of God get to be highlighted because only God can do that. It's a real biblical concept, too. Christian or not, there's a benefit to giving, and it's good. But I would say for followers of Jesus, it goes beyond being good. Now, this is the thing I want you to get. 
giving is good, but generosity is better. You can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. It is a heart journey. The journey from just giving because it's good or because you have to is a heart journey that needs to take place that only God can take us on when we remove the more, when we put the stress away and get alone with God and let him take our anxiety because he cares for us, where his yoke is easy and his burden is light, and go beyond giving to simply realizing that everything we're given is from him anyway. Whew. It's a heart journey. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where you spend your time is often what you worship. And we give ourselves away not for status, but for service. Jesus made that very clear when he said, not so with you. You don't use your power to lord it over, but whoever wants to be great in my kingdom, the kingdom, the best kingdom, Jesus is the king of the kingdom. He says, you've got to be a servant of what? All. This is good stuff. See, the giving that we're talking about and the giving that Paul describes here in 2 Corinthians is a giving that goes beyond personal benefit. That'll sink. I hope so. It comes from a heart of generosity that knows no boundaries because it's God's heart for God's glory. Not that men would look to us or that we would feel good, but that God would be glorified. That would be the motivation. Not that we would be seen, not that we would feel good about our giving, but that God would be glorified. That people would actually see God. That they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. I'm just throwing all these out here for us. Giving. So Paul lays it out. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. It is the law of reciprocity. You reap what you sow. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. The heart is the motivation. When the heart is right, generosity. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So there are two ways we can give. We can give sparingly, and we can give generously. And that's the thing I want us to process today. This isn't about giving more to Alpine. It's not about that. It is about the church. Giving to the church, it's about giving to the world. It's about giving so God can... Be praised because he's given to us. So we see this principle often in the Old Testament as well. Here's the principle in a proverb, Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will what? Prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. This is wisdom. This is truth. This is promise. And as those who follow Jesus, this is ours. This is our invitation. In verses 6 and 7, we have ways not to give and ways that we should give. Ways not to give, ways we get to give. Ways not to give. Don't give sparingly. Don't spread it out so thin. Sparingly. Don't give reluctantly or begrudgingly under compulsion. 
out of guilt or have to or, okay, they asked, I guess I'll do it. Don't give that way. But here's how we are to give. As our heart is being changed, give generously or bountifully, flowing all over the place, and give cheerfully, not have to, but freely. I can't wait to give. Painting a picture. Let's talk for a second about how we shouldn't give. Let's unpack that a little bit because I, I want us to, if, if we can, and if we're willing to go on a journey to maybe implicate ourselves, because the Bible says the heart is increasingly wicked and we don't always know it, but God knows it. So maybe God could reveal some things to us about our giving. Wouldn't that be great? So we could be more like Jesus. What makes giving bad is the desire within us to hold back. That's what makes giving bad. That's the sparingly peace. There's giving... So there is giving, because everybody gives something. There's not many people that are so inwardly, selfishly focused that they give nothing. I mean, there's a few. But for the most part, sitting in the room, how many of you have given something? You just raise your hand. I mean, that's, I've given something. And some of you have given, some of you live this principle out, and you're a testimony of this. So there's a giving, but it comes from a heart that wants to hold back. And so the word sparingly is used. You've heard the phrase, spare me the details. Hold back on the details because I don't want to hear them, okay? How about this one? Spare me the pain because I don't like pain, so let's spare me the pain. It's a holding back. When we think of God and, and his son Jesus, God did not spare his only son. He didn't hold back Jesus, but he sent Jesus to die for our sins, to live and show us how to live. Thank God he didn't give sparingly, but he shared his only son. Giving sparingly is giving that comes from a heart that deep down wants to hold back more than let go. It's the tight fist. Mine. The mine, 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 mine spirit. I think that was... Thank you. I had to figure that out before we moved on. What's happening is there is enough external pressure, guilt persuasion to make us give something in life. You're standing at the gas station and they say, would you like to just go ahead and round that up for people who have nothing? No. No, I don't. Or we lie and say, I already did that. Right? It's just like, oh, yeah, how do you not give to somebody who has nothing? Okay, round it up. There goes my budget. What's happening is there's this external pressure, this guilt, this persuasion to make us give something. But the real motive of our heart isn't about how much we can give. It's actually about how much we can keep. And Jesus or Paul is saying in this passage, don't give that way. The heart that is being changed and transformed that understands generosity is better doesn't give that way. It's not the right heart. So how should we give? Let's unpack this a little bit. Are we having fun yet? It's been fun. It's been real. It's not been real fun. Let's flip it around. Give generously or bountifully. It's giving on the basis or from the basis of blessing. All I have, I have because God has given it to me. 
all I have, I have because God has given it to me. And so he blesses Abraham in the covenant back in the Old Testament so that Abraham would be a what? A blessing. He blesses us as followers of Jesus. And in the process of blessing us and the heart being changed, we have a passionate desire to bless others. It would change the world if we all lived that way. It comes from the truth that God is a generous God who is full of blessing for us. And so our gift and response to others should come from that truth, that blessing. We've been given so much by God. How many woke up breathing this morning? That was God. We've been given so much by God, and that's just the starting point that we flow out of our lives the same blessing for others. And then verse 7 says that it should be cheerful. <laughs> that it should be cheerful. That that's what the heart that is being changed, that's how that heart gives, is, is cheerfully. So giving generously means giving from a heart that wants to share things. That wants to. Did you catch that? Something has happened in our heart as a result of our deepest desire... As a result, our deepest desire, when something happens, when Jesus shows up, when he changes and transforms, our deepest desire is to give and share as much as possible instead of keep as much as possible. It's like one author described it this way, a magnet, your heart is, is something in your heart has been turned while the magnet in one case is pulling everything in because that's who we are before Jesus shows up. It's about us. And there's a change that happens and flips that magnet around and it propels everything out towards others. That's the heart of generosity. Which heart best describes your heart? I believe what makes the biggest difference between the two types of hearts, the sparing heart and the generous heart, The one that gives and sows sparingly or the one that gives and sows generously is how you view God. I think it boils down to that simple truth. Does your heart view God as taker or does your heart view God as giver? And I think this is where we get to do some just honest reflecting. See, when your heart views God as taker, if every time I look up and see this pointing, demanding finger of God, give me, give me, give me, which some of us feel, every time you go to church, it's a message on giving. God just wants, wants, wants. I hear the message and I got to change, change, change. And so you look up and you see this, give me, give me, God, how can you then look back down at the needs of the world and say, hey, take me, my life is all for you. I exist for the blessings of God to flow through me to you. How can you do it when all you seem to be doing is giving, giving, giving? Uh, this person will give something who believes God's a taker because one of the draining demands that he hears when he looks up to this ever-demanding, ever-taking God is give something to the church. So out comes the gift, the draining, life-depleting, exhausting, sparingly gift. I've been in those places before. And yet the church is the bride of Christ. What he'll use to change this world. It's his mission, the church. 
But those of us who view God as a giver, we understand giving flows from a heart that is a relationship with God that sees and experiences him, not as a taker, but a giver. And I hope you get this this morning. Beneath the generous giving of verse 6 and the cheerful giving of verse 7 is a heart that looks up to God and sees a giver, a supplier, a provider, a helper, because that's who he says he is. And I told you in the beginning, he will be who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. And if you've experienced that to be true, just put a hand up that he is all of those things. And when you see him as such, it changes you. So when this person looks to God, they feel replenished, not drained. Just like the literal translation of verse 6 implies, his giving or our giving is based on blessing, God's blessing. So we give out of that blessing because we are so blessed. Even when, as someone who views God as giver, hears a command coming from God, we hear it as a hopeful gift, not a demand. Let me give you an example. How many of you had that terrifying moment when your kid is running towards the road? And not paying attention. And as a parent, you, you scream out a gift to them, not a demand. Stop! That's a gift. Because what that gift is about to do is save their life. See, the heart that is right before God views those moments from God not as a demand, but as a gift. What's the difference maker in the two types of giving, the taker or the giver? Well, rarely do you encounter someone who gives nothing. But what is the difference between sparing giver and generous giver? It's our relationship with God. It's the degree we're allowing him in to change our hearts from the inside out. How do we see God? For one, he's a constant, demanding, draining taker. And for others of us in the room, he's a never-ending giver that we cannot give. The one feels that if God is draining me, then what joy can I have if I don't drain the world because God's draining me? So if life is being sucked out by a demanding God, then I must suck in whatever pleasure I can from this world. God is a demander, so our basic attitude is still one of taking, keeping, sparing, because God is always taking and always demanding. He's the great taker. But for the one or the other person described in this text, the flow goes all in the other direction, doesn't it? God is the great giver, the fountain of life, the Father who provides, flowing in with ever-replenishing blessing, grace, hope, and love. And what does love do? It gives. And so what this person feels when he looks at the needs of the world is a free internal impulse to give and to share. And it's called love. See, the biggest issue in giving is this. How do you see God? How do you see God? See, Maybe your question is this, how do I see God? Do I see God as giver or do I see God as taker? Maybe that's a great question as we process this passage. Maybe it's a great question to ask. How do I see God? And maybe some of us are sitting there and going, I'm not sure how to answer that question. How do I answer that question? 
And I would probably answer it this way. What kind of a giver are you? Because how you give is probably how you see God. Are you a sparing giver? Are you a generous giver? Or somewhere in between. Paul knows when you stare into the eyes of the great creator, giver of all things, that you'll struggle to see him as the great giver. He knows that. God gives him that insight, and so he gives us the rest of this text to help us see God as a giver. And so now that we have this information available to us, that there are ways to give generously or sparingly, that we, we aren't to give sparingly and we are to give generously, not reluctant, but cheerful, right? And that when we allow God and view him as the giver of all things who blesses us with everything we have, we will become a people because it changes us from the inside out who give back the blessings that God has given us. And so to see God as giver is paramount. And so starting in verse 8, again I read, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. <laughs> you, will make, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God. For his indescribable gift, he's not a taker. He's a giver. And because he gives, so can we. See, his blessings enable us to be a blessing. So giving is for others, giving is for us, and giving is for God. How do you give? How do you grow your generosity? Let me offer two, three things, and we'll be done. Really simple. You grow in your generosity by getting to know God, and you get to know God by getting alone with him, getting into his word, and asking him to reveal who he is. Do you know he does that? If you have trouble seeing God, walk out on a starry night, look up. He's showing off. He's the creator of all things. He loves us more than we could ever be loved by anybody else. And he's poured out his blessing upon us in indescribable gifts. And so you get to know him. And when you get to know him, you realize that you can't outgive him. So try. And it comes from a heart that just can't wait. Even the world knows it's good to give. But it's even better to be generous. And God does that. 
The second thing you do is you get with other people who challenge you and push you and speak truth into your life. Other followers of Jesus. I have some of those guys in my life. Jason is one of those guys. I've got a buddy, Eric LaRue. He's one of those guys. Eric Schroeder is another one of those guys. The elders of this church, surrounded by people, my wife, friends of ours. And man, we push and challenge each other. See, because here's what's true. Friendship should take you and spur you on to greater things, not lesser things. And I see a lot of friendships pushing each other to lesser things. And it's a travesty. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. And then lastly, you ready for this? Spend time with the world around you, and you'll hear the needs, and you'll have opportunity to to give. Because unless we do that, we won't know. Giving is good, but generosity is better. Why? Because it comes from the heart. Would you stand with me? I know this. There is no action. There is no emotion. There is no discipline you can employ on your own to change your heart. You can't. God can. What we can do is open a pathway to God. Create space and room. Actually go to him. Not in anxiety or worry or fear, but in boldness because the Lord is near. And bring our petitions and requests and find a peace that even though God doesn't respond in our time, even though God doesn't respond in the way we wanted him to respond, we find peace that passes understanding that we couldn't gain ourselves, but only God could give. And we realize that, yeah, giving is good, But there is a generosity that is better. That if we'll open up our hearts and let God in, see him as the giver of all things, and everything we have is his, we can be a blessing because he will change us from the inside out. How do you see God? Is he giver or taker? And the way you can determine that is very simple. Do you give sparingly or do you give generously? God, may we be a people. If we claim your name, that's the key. I know there are those of us in this room, we have yet to claim your name, or we've yet to step aside from once a week Christianity. But if we claim your name, that we follow you, that we're for you, may you create in us knowledge of who you are, and not just knowledge, but an experience. As we attempt to outgive you in generosity because you've been so generous to us, prove it to be true that we cannot outgive you. And may we be the church that gives generously. May we be families that give generously. May we be a people that give generously because it is in our heart to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you all. Excited for next week. Tomorrow matters. If you want to pray for snow, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Have a great week. We love you.